Rock Beef Chest. And I'm M4 Numbers Name Man. And welcome to the Escape Cast. First up on the agenda, we have Tyrus Engineer coming in to talk to us about upcoming events on the server. So, Tyrus, what do you got for us? Hi there. Um, yeah, as you've uh, probably noticed, the main event we've got going on at the minute is the Halloween Big Build. Uh, that started yesterday, uh, the 27th of October, uh, and it's going to run until the 3rd. Uh, we're already starting to see some really impressive builds, and for a change for the big builds, most of them actually fit the theme. There's a few, there's a few odd ones, like uh, Comic Sans' giant haunted hamburger, but I'm not sure that quite counts. What exactly makes a hamburger haunted? Well, uh, when we were looking it up, he, he was trying to justify it. He found that there's, in Arizona somewhere, I think, uh, there's a there's a haunted hamburger restaurant, so that apparently qualifies it to uh, be in Halloween Big Bill. Not sure it quite works like that, but see when it comes to judging. Are there any favourites this year, or is it just is there still an open playing field? There is lots and lots of very very good ones this time, so I don't really want to necessarily say any sort of clear winners at this stage because it is early days yet. But um, I know that Captain Nemo's doing a large haunted manor. That's looking very impressive. Um, Itchy NL is doing a large skull, which is just terrifying, frankly. There's a very high standard this time, so it should be a good one to watch. Um, if people want to get involved on that, it's still going until, as I say, the 3rd of uh, November, 12pm server time. So there's still plenty of time to get started. Um, if you want to, that's down the red path in the hub, and there's a portal at the end there. You just need to find an empty plot, right-click the site, and start building. Wonderful. What other Halloween events do we have going on? Well, quite possibly the most noticeable one is the fact that we've done a bit of decorating in the hub. Anyway, that looks very impre- that looks very impressive. I think it's a nice thing for people to be able to see, get them in the mood for Halloween. Well, we've also put in, in Enigma, there's a Halloween maze, which seems to be quite well-received. Well lots, of, uh, lots of secrets and things to find out. Make sure you check that out while it's there, because haven't quite decided whether it's going to be a permanent thing, but you should definitely check it out as soon as you can. A lot of work's gone into it, and it's quite challenging. Thanks for that update, Tyrus. And this week we are joined by one of our admins, a Mr. Eggster. Hello there. Last podcast we talked uh, pretty extensively about everything that we're looking forward to in the Very Scary Update, so I know the players on the server are just chomping at the bit to get started with that new content. Eggums, where are we at in the process of updating? All right. Uh, as usual, we say it's going to get ready when it's ready. Um, we're waiting currently for the server software uh, that we run on here called Craft Bucket to become stable enough. Um, and then up next, we have to work on getting the plugins updated as needed. With the server size, how many plugins are we waiting on? Oh, probably at least 10. I want to say uh, we'll probably need to get updated, but that's just a rough number. Uh, more will come up once we get the uh, initial uh, server build tested. So is it safe to say that it's not our fault that we haven't updated yet? Yes, that is correct. We are waiting mostly on uh, third parties here. It is not our fault. You hear that, players? It is not our fault. It came directly from an admin. You heard it here first. Yeah, and then uh, once we get all the uh, plugin updates, it's just a matter of getting it tested, and then you can blame us. But for right now, we're still waiting on those third-party plugins and uh, the software to get updated. So, Eggster, you were involved quite heavily in the 1.3 update, weren't you? I was indeed quite a bit involved in that one. That was my first uh, major update that I had, uh, being coming part of the staff here. 
Any sleepless nights? Uh, not for me personally, but many of the others. Um, a lot of what I did was the testing side of it, so that uh, can be very tedious, but needs to get done. It's very important. So when do you mean by testing for the players who aren't familiar with our procedures? Uh, we have a spreadsheet for every plugin with a tab on it for every plugin. And we just have to punch through every bit of these little tests just to make sure you guys have all these set of features that we set aside working properly. So that's what I mean by tedious. But it gets done eventually. Yes, it does. So you've probably taken some time in looking at the 1.4 update. What are you looking forward to the most, do you think, Agams? Oh, in the 1.4, the thing that sparked my interest is this invisibility potions that uh, they've decided to introduce. Um, as far as I know, they're going to be just to, for, to turn you invisible against monsters, but there could be potential to do other things with these, which could be quite fun. So, Agams, uh, you're pretty new to the server. How exactly did you come to start playing on Escapecraft? Oh, my... Yeah, I always struggle with a bit on the timeline. It happened somewhere in 2011 where my, actually my girlfriend started playing on here with her siblings, her brother, her two brothers started playing on here. And she started getting me involved in playing on this server. Um, then from there, uh, she, they kind of tapered off and then I kind of started exploring the rest of the community over the last like six months or so. And then that's kind of how I became uh, part of the ranks. I heard a rumor that you used to run your own server. Yes, I did. Um, I kind of had, well, I had a smaller group of people, probably like two or three people that were interested in Minecraft. That's how I originally got into Minecraft, was running my own server. Uh, so I got a lot of hands-on experience uh, and how buggy the uh, plugins can be. And I ran that for a few months uh, and played on Escapecraft at the same time. Originally, my plan was, okay, Escapecraft's going to be where I play. I have fun to play there. I don't want to do any work for Escapecraft. Um, but that sort of changed over time. So when exactly did you join the ranks of the staff and become an admin? Um, once again, my timing is terrible. I think it was maybe a couple months ago. Uh, there's definitely people that would have a better idea when that exactly happened. Uh, I just started working in the uh, with the dev group here. And then from there, kind of got promoted to the admin title. I didn't really expect it. Just sort of happened. So where's that crazy name of yours come from? Oh, you know, it's <laughs> the history behind my name is I used to hang out on Internet Relay Chatter, IRC for short, and there's a bot called Eggy on there. That's kind of where I came up with this original name. Then I just expanded it because Eggy, E-G-G-Y, is too short for Minecraft. I think somebody already grabbed that a long time ago. So it became Eggster, and it just sort of stuck with me. Like fried egg to a sticky pan. There you go. You can make an, any number of egg jokes with this particular name. And on to our other gaming section. Last week we brought you the first look at Dishonored. This week we take a second look at Spec Ops The Line. Be warned, this section contains a lot of spoilers. And we would like to credit Zero Punctuation and Extra Credits for their video and their ideas within it, because we're going to be expanding on some of those. In case you haven't had the opportunity to play Spec Ops, it is a modern warfare-style, third-person, over-the-shoulder shooter. Which looks at many controversial issues um, about modern warfare and issues surrounding it. If you judge by the trailers alone, though, you might think it's a canned, average shooter at best. 
but nothing could be further than the truth because underneath this shooter lies a much more introspective game. Fans of Call of Duty or the Battlefield series might be disappointed on the surface with Spec Ops as it deals in issues such as post-traumatic stress disorder and gaming culture in general. Specifically, the fanboy power fantasy that is often associated with the Call of Duty and Battlefield shooter types. But you wouldn't have thought we'd be recommending it if you just played the game from the start. What with the obvious spawn points, the red exploding barrels, and the aiming system, which by today's standards is bad. When you first join the game, you see what has happened to Dubai. For the, This is where the spoilers start, people. Dubai has been hit by a massive sandstorm and basically life's gone to hell there. And you are the lead member of the rescue team sent there to evacuate all surviving people. Not much is said about your history at this point, but you get the impression that your character, Walker, has a, a long history of combat experience. During the game, you're joined by your squad mates, Corporal Lugo and Sergeant Adams, both of whom you would have first thought to be um, buddy-buddy, bad company-style people, but they, the game laughs at this. The game looks at bad company, then just laughs in its face. You know what I found most interesting about this game, Matt? It was the cognitive dissonance. It was the psychic disconnect in the words of the extra credit guys. It's as if the poor game design and the cliched barrels and the cliched spawn points are all designed specifically to make you feel uncomfortable while playing it. In Yahtzee's words, the game lets you lose yourself in the experience before yanking on the troke chain. It lets you lose yourself in the fight, in some of the more extravagant cutscenes, and then it just pulls you back down to earth with a resounding crash. This game makes you do terrible, egregious things, and then punishes you for doing them. One example of such is one of the most moving moments in the game, where you've it's about one, an hour or two in, and you've found the enemy's camp. And you have to clear them out, but the only way is with phosphorus. This being one of the major ethical issues in the military at the moment, with phosphorus being so very deadly and overpowered. Once you use the white phosphorus, which the game makes you do, then the game requires you to walk through the battle zone that you just created, and you witness the untold devastation only to culminate in entering a part of the battlefield that is filled with civilian casualties. Needless to say, this is not a fun game. But a game like this doesn't have to be fun to be great. Or else we wouldn't have played it. But one of the things that really grabs you about the game, and you might not notice this when you first play through it, is the choice system. During moments of the game you get a, I'm going to say, moral choice system, when really it's not. There are some parts of the game where it gives you a choice, or rather it looks like a choice, but, but your actions do nothing in the end. One of these moral choices is when you happen upon two people hanging from a street sign in the middle of nowhere. You've got four snipers looking at the bodies, and you have to choose between which one to save. The main baddie of this game challenges you to choose who lives and who dies. One man stole water in a desert under siege, which is an egregious offense. 
The other is a U.S. soldier who killed the first guy's family trying to apprehend him. And from first looking at this scene, you'd say, well, there's only two choices. You can either shoot down the guy who stole water or shoot down the guy who murdered the other guy's family. But the game gives you another option. It includes it in an achievement. These two achievement sets being damned if you do, damned if you don't. This being very, very appropriate considering the actions. Because both of um, which these um, civilians die anyway. Doesn't matter what you do, they both die. This is just one example of the, the game creating dissonance with the player. This game breaks the fourth wall on numerous occasions. And everything about the game design is designed to create instability and an uncomfortable feeling at the player himself. Matt, did you notice the loading screens in this game and the messages that they were that they had at the bottom? Yes. Saying that these loading screens are odd is, is an understatement. You look at games like Modern Warfare that have tips and strategies during the loading screens, not Spec Ops The Line. Spec Ops The Line takes the opportunity during the loading screens to screw with your head. Two examples of this, during one loading screen early on, the only message says, this is all your fault. Later in the game, another message comes on the screen that says, how many Americans have you killed today? That's all it says. It makes the player think about their actions. And one such loading screen that I thought was particularly thought-provoking was the US military condemns firing upon unarmed prisoners of war. But this is a game, so why should you care? Which really does break the fourth wall and gets the player thinking. And this continues throughout the game. Everywhere in this game, when you hear dialogue that says you, your, they're not talking about Walker, the spec ops commando. They're talking about you, the player. In fact, this game culminates with a grand encounter with the main bad guy, and he says the most memorable quote from the game. He tells you, you're here because you want to be something you're not. A hero. This being what a lot of games give you the feeling of. Being the hero. Playing the hero who saves the town. Coming to the rescue of all the civilians. Except in this game, you are far from that. Far from the saviour. You're the damnation of the civilians. You're the damnation of the whole city. At the end of the game, you find out you're the devil himself. Not specifically, but in effect. And this chapter where he tells you this is one of the most memorable chapters I've ever played in a game. Partly because of the atmosphere, which is so heavy at this point you could just hit it with a hammer and it wouldn't move. And partly because of the speech, the dialogue between you and the Conrad, the person who is the grand enemy. The major twist in this being that he is you. Conrad is a figment of your own imagination and this saying it's a mindfuck would be a slight understatement to that effect. So in the end you end up playing a mind game with yourself. You are holding the pistol and you are about to get shot by you. I think they designed this game to attack the shooter genre to attack the Call of Duty fanboys, or possibly not the fans themselves, but the idea that you could sit down and 
pick up a controller and play a video game and have this feeling of badass commando style while you're slaying untold numbers of en- enemies and capturing checkpoints. When over in places like Afghanistan and Iraq, people are doing the real thing, and it's nothing like what you're doing. Suffice it to say that this is not, like I said, it's not a fun game to play, but it's a game that I think everybody should play. It's in- It engages you, it grips you into its claw, and you cannot stop playing. I I would have finished the game in one session, but for having to work, I finished it in two days. It's not a long, super long game, but still, that's many hours of gameplay. Also, the game itself is based on the book Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. You might real recognize this book as it was the basis of the movie Apocalypse Now. Those of you who've seen Apocalypse Now might draw similarities to Spec Ops the line, but don't worry about that spoiling it when we've already spoiled it for you. So the game doesn't really rip them off, so to speak. It takes ideas from them and applies it to the situation. So, in effect, if you read these, then you're not really spoiling it. You're just adding another opinion. So in conclusion, my thoughts on Spec Ops The Line, it's something you have to play to realise just how far-fetched the whole gaming genre is. It's something that, if you don't play it, then sure, everything's fine, but you'll never see just what you're missing and just how out of context the whole game, the whole gaming genre is. Well, that's all we got for this installment. Thanks for listening. I'm Rock Beef Chest. I am Eggster. I'm Tyrus. And this is M47 Numbers signing off. Thank you for listening. <laughs>